Welcome one, welcome all to the Rift Rewind, our ESPN Esports Weekly League of Legends program. Every Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, Arda, Emily, Tyler, and Jacob with you. And actually, we're going to begin the show with a little bit of an announcement. The Rift Rewind, as you know it, uh, until the end of Worlds, uh, going to take a little bit of a break. But what we're going to do is we're not going to stop our programming there, of course. We're going to have a whole ton of things to look forward to along the way. And the first stop will be this Friday. And let me tell you something. It's going to be a barn burner. This is going to be a ridiculous several hours. In fact, when I say several hours, I mean as long as it takes, folks. As long as it takes. If you've ever wanted to be in the room on how the top 20 players going into Worlds is created and thought of and debated and fought about and argued over, well, now is your chance. On Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, that is September the 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern, the four of us will duke it out until we have a definitive top 20 list of players going into Worlds. Tyler, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, as a proud member of the Church of Chovy, I, I look forward to these Friday establishment that we are setting up. Uh, there's 100 players on the list that we're going to have to call down to the top 20, but uh, intelligent people like myself, like LS, you know, high intellectual analysts in the League of Legends scene that have been here for so long, we know the true, the true number one player going to Worlds this year. And it, it, it's... There, there's a lot of great players, Arda, Emily, Jacob, the chat. You know, you have your showmakers and your knights. And, you know, you can talk about your caps and all his trophies in Europe. and being Maybe. maybe. But there, there's only one true god going to the League of Legends World Champion. There might be two, but for the Church of Chovy, there, there's only one true lord that we have to see, you know, guide his light towards as he goes to Shanghai. This is probably the best mid laner class in world's history. Certainly, one of them, in my opinion. Like you have, you have Knight. I said this the other day, and you said it. You said some of it too, Tyler. Like, think about it. You have Knight, Chovy. Uh, even like your more fringe players outside of your like champions, right? Bjorkson and Caps, obviously, as the people Showmaker. who qualified out of their reason. But also, yeah, you have Showmaker. You have Power of Evil. Like, some people don't Larson. like giving Jensen credit, but you have Jensen and you have Larson, right? Like, there's, like, this list is actually very stacked in terms of midliners. Um, I'm excited for that because uh, I like seeing good midliners play each other. Because, um, especially with some of the champions that exist in meta right now, because you play fairly aggressive in lane. But, yeah, this is one of the best, best midliner class in, classes in world history, in my opinion. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. The fact that Shiv was not mentioned already tells me that I am in for a fight here. Oh yeah, have fun. Have fun. Uh, Mr. Bjergsen's coming for GA on Friday. Like, Mr. Bjergsen, uh, it's going to be... How's your okay. poll going, Tyler? Uh, <laughs> how's your poll of how many NA players will get in there? Uh, uh, GA versus Bjergsen is going to be a top of discussion this coming Friday, so... I mean, I feel, I feel, I voted one is in it? that poll. I, I voted one in your Apparently poll. Apparently it is. And <laughs> I, I voted one in your poll, and I can promise you it's not Bjergsen who I'm championing for is the one oh. NA player that deserves top 20. So uh, there okay. you go. So this there is the kind go. of conversation you can look forward to on Friday. And by the way, the way that it's going to work is that all of us somehow, some way, as long as it takes, 
we all have to agree on the final 20 list. And if this last two minutes on this show was any indication, it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, there's yeah. so many great Enjoy mid laners. That. So many great mid laners. Well, and let's then save we it have... for Friday. Let's save it yeah. for Friday. We got, well, we got a lot to talk about. There's one more spot left, though. There's one more spot left, though. Faker or BDD, who's going to be? Exactly. So that's going to be on Friday. Uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern, like I said. And by the way, loyalties are for sale. So if you want to bribe us on certain names you want us to bring to the table, you can certainly uh, make your pitch on Twitter. Follow My us on Twitter. My loyalty is not for sale. Yeah, Mine yeah, definitely is. 100% is tried. for sale. 100% for sale. So you can definitely bribe me into bringing... If you want me to bring up Spica and uh, <laughs> debate him in the top Oof. 10, I gladly will for the right price. Anyway, on that note... Let's talk about, like Tyler said, the remaining spot at Worlds uh, will come down to T1 and Gen G uh, as we move on to the LCK. T1 looked great today, defeating Afrika Freaks, moving on to the next round. Faker looked good in, in, in pretty much all those games. There was one game where uh, it looked like T1 threw Emily, but at the end of the day, T1 looked very strong as they go uh, into that last matchup against Gen G. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Faker could come out and have a good showing because I feel like a lot of people were either disappointed in his performance or more so disappointed in the way that T1 was kind of drafting around Faker, which I even wrote about this. There's a lot behind what they expect Faker to do. And I think you actually really saw it in that game one when he was on the Galio. Like he had so many amazing taunts and he was just controlling team fights for T1 uh, so that... Uh, Gumeyushi, their their new like AD carry prodigy, could come up and just kind of fire from the back line. It worked really, really well. Um, I like when I, I like don't disagree with how T1 has been drafting around their rookies, first closer, and and now Gumeyushi because they're giving them carries that are A, just generally strong in the meta, but B, um, that they don't have to necessarily do as much work on that you can rely on a really strong veteran like Faker who can take over entire team fights on a champion like Galio. So um, I thought it was a pretty good look for T1. They looked shakier in game two, let's just say. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting fight against Gen G, who are a team that I actually maybe think should have been in the finals if it hadn't been for that weird patch thing and Chovy kind Chovy. of like going... Chovy. Herculean and like dragging DRX to the finals. Uh, yeah. Wait, are, is that world number one Chovy, Tyler? Is that who you were talking about? I mean, he's going to be up there. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight this Friday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I watched uh, all, all the matches this morning uh, live. And the things that stood out to me, a few things that stood out to me were obviously Gumi Yushi had a really solid debut, I think. People who, you know, just watched highlights or just kind of skim through are going to be like, oh my god, he's a god, he carried the series. And he played really well in the laning phase. A bit hit and miss when it came to, you know, actually playing in these team fights. And some of it wasn't his fault, especially in game two on Draven, where he had about 700 adoration stacks. And uh, Alim, a fellow rookie, stole a kill from him uh, right in front of him when he could have cashed in on 700 adoration stacks and kind of he chaosed him and as a good Draven player does uh Gumi Yushi uh in his heated rage heated tilt he uh, just kind of ran it down mid after losing that adoration stack and he, his landing phases is, is is excellent 
you could say there's a reason why I've been told throughout the year he is the golden rookie of T1. If if closer closer is more of a one B uh, and Gumiushi is a one A, like they're two can't miss prospects, two prospects that they do not want to trade away or give to other teams, especially in China. But they were a lot better skirmishing wise. They got early leads in every single game. Uh, Lim looked really good with his uh, early pressure, especially on uh, Leah. Uh, my issue with this team and why I'm scared of them going against Genji is that their mid-game to late-game team fighting had a lot to, left to be desired. Uh, Faker looked great. Faker was the shining light of the team alongside Kana when it came to those team fights, but there was a lot, especially in Game 2 and Game 3, Game 3 where they were up 10k gold around at 20 minutes. It took them about another 10 minutes to close the door. Obviously, you don't want to rush it. You don't want to just throw away the series. You want to take it slow, get those uh, drakes, get the, you know, the ocean soul, make sure you have 100% win chance instead of, you know, risking it even if it's 95 to 5%. But their team fighting, outside of game one, where I think, you know, Gumiyushi was on the Caitlyn and he looked very comfortable on that champion in the team fighting setup. His Jin also was quite good. I'm just worried of how this team goes against a much better Gen G team. I think for T1, and I've said this on Twitter, I've said this countless times, Faker is the soul, the glue of the team, but the ace of the team right now, the best player on this team is Kana. And for T1 to win tonight and to make Worlds, there's a lot going to be on Kana's shoulders because the one advantage I do see for T1 versus Gen G is I do think Kana is a better player than Rascal. And if Kana can get those leads, like he did a lot yesterday against, you know, Fly in the first game where Fly and Keen uh, roll swapped, Kana slapped around uh, Fly in the top lane on Orn. If Kana can get those leads and they can prioritize Kana and get him ahead, he's a player that has shown he can carry this team. And I, I, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm good with Faker. Faker will be there, put him on the galley, put him on the TF, let him affect the sidelines. But getting Kana ahead is my number one thing tonight. If they can get him ahead in front of Rascal and let Kana carry, I think they can make worlds. But it's going to be so much more of a test tonight. Because mm. no no offense to Afrika. They are a very solid team. They're a very tricky team. They practice more than any other team in the world. I love Oof. Makes these guys spirit in them. They practice. They put their nose to the grindstone. And they practice hours upon hours. But... Genji's a different beast. Genji should have made worlds already if it wasn't for Chovy. And for T1 to beat Genji, the super you know talented team where they spent so much money in the offseason, even taking Clid from T1, it's going to take Kana and Faker and this entire team to have a much better series than they had against Freakus. What they showed last night or you know this previous morning is not going to be enough to beat Genji. I just want to say, uh, back to Emily's point about drafting, I don't necessarily disagree with the way that they draft for their rookies and giving them priority picks that allow them to, I don't want to say contribute less, but it not have to play in the same while, or same style that they have to put everything on their backs all the time, right? Like, uh, But I do disagree with a lot of the way that T1 has drafted this season. I think that they've had a real issue with drafts the entire season. Um, I think that Genji by... Uh, has had some similar issues at some times, but I also think Genji is just, to Tyler's point, a really strong team, a well-rounded team. Um, but I am really worried, even if this Team 1 team makes it to the World Championship, if they beat Genji uh, this evening, I, I think that uh, going into the World Championship, they're going to face some of the best coaching staffs in, in the world. 
um, and drafting better get figured out for them. Because for me right now, like I, all season, I've been a little disappointed by their by their general draft. Uh, not not going against what you said, Emily, but more so just uh, widely. And uh, I've had that a little bit of that issue with them. Disagreement. I actually think it's going to be a really big. So like I'm picking Genji first of all, but then second of all, um, and I don't think it's going to be like, oh my gosh, Genji, you're going to roll them, but I do think Genji, you're going to win. And and Tyler brought it up, uh, but. I'm also going to say this in the context of if they do manage to beat Gen G, this is going to have to be something that this team really, really uh, addresses in boot camp, especially if they are going to be running closer, if they are going to be running uh, Kumayushi, or if they are going to be swapping at all with this roster. It's that their team fighting has to be a lot tighter because yeah. for as many mistakes, and I know you can go and you can point to top esports and their terrible drafts and the fact that 369 grouped with the team and team fought on Fiora when he should have split push. And you can like rip apart JDG for not having as good players as you think they have and somehow they keep winning or whatever. You know how they win? They know how to draft for their team and they team fight really, really well. All of these top Chinese teams, you have Damwon. These are all teams that are going to be able to beat T1 in this regard. And T1 used to be the team fighting team, right? Like that's how they would they would pull off these like miraculous like they would lose slowly and then pull off these like miraculous mid mid to late team fights and this is something the team did since about 2015 and the merger right like so when they merged the two sister teams together so it's weird not to see that be a staple of t1 and something that they're a little bit less comfortable with it makes sense given uh their roster swaps that they've made um so i'm not even like denigrating the team for it. I'm just saying this is something that they absolutely will have to fix if they want to beat Genji, and then also if they want to do well Worlds. Here's an interesting topic uh, on the note of Worlds. Say this T1 team does make it to the World Championship. They do beat Genji tonight, which I think most of us would favor Genji in that matchup. But if, if T1 wins, um, I am curious what Riot's restrictions around substitutes will be, particularly given the fact that you uh, there's such a concern around COVID and how many seven. people you can bring into the country. It, it is seven. You know that for yeah, certain? Yeah, it's still seven. It's seven. I mean, the, the, we had our first world teams leave today with uh, Europe with G2, Rogue, and Fnatic all going. Uh, and I've been told. By so you have to take closer and Kumiyashi, right? Like that. That there's uh, nobody else there. No, I, I think a limb is the like limb scares me. Like he had some really good early games, but I don't know if I trust him. And I know we have there's the Cuz Lightyear jokes. He plays a very boring, patient style. And but sometimes you need that worlds, and we've seen this a lot. And I think T1 has shown that if you're gonna bring subs, you need to bring two two junglers. You want a, a, a fast tempo, high aggressive. Rookie jungler in a limb, but I also think because you you have to have a backup plan. I think, man, that's so tough. I mean, I, I think I think it's fair to say Teddy is more of a liability than Faker. Oh man, that's so. I mean, it's also the flip side of Gumayashi and Teddy is where uh, Teddy is a better team fighter. Like we saw yesterday when the position when it came to down to like late game positioning. Gumayashi wasn't king. Like he had some really bad misplays with Draven where. Even though I do, I give him, you know, a few, you know, brushaways with like a limb did steal his adoration stack kill, and but there were some plays where he was stepping way too forward on on Draven, and I, I, Teddy's a better sure. late game team fighter, uh, Gumiyashi's a better uh, laner, but it's 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 really well. If hard. you could take both though, right? Or mm -hmm. if you had to choose between taking Gumiyashi or closer, 
and you have to put your trust into Teddy or Faker in that situation. Yeah. You choose Faker every single yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You take Kumiyoshi with you. Yes. You leave closer. You you sit down closer and say like, yeah, sorry. If you're, if you're <laughs> building yeah. a jungler, yeah. 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 But the, I mean, the weird thing is the build up to this has been, and this is why I'm actually super curious to see if they do make worlds who they take, because the build up to this has been closers our guy, like yep. he is the guy that we're looking at grooming for when Faker retires, right? So, um, and, and I'm not like that's not a hint that Faker's retiring anytime soon. I'm just saying like that's the actions of subbing him in and the team compositions that they've tried to draft around him and the champions they have given him points to the fact that they really want this guy to succeed for them specifically. Um, and they could be to sell him, but it sounds like, no, they want to keep him and farm him from their own trainee system so he can eventually start for them if that becomes necessary. Um, so, but yeah, I, I would still bet on Faker every single time. I mean, the thing like, I think about T1 is... I can see a world where T1 loses a night, and I can see Gumayashi, and I can see Teddy, and I can see Alim, and I can see Cousin. I don't see a world where T1 ends the season and Faker isn't the one dying on a sword. Like, I, like, I feel like they're going to give Faker the chance to... If, if, if T1's going out at Worlds, if they're going out at the regional finals versus Genji, I don't see a world where Faker isn't the one dying in that last game. I feel like they're always going to give him the chance to have the mm -hmm. last... The last dude's statement. gonna play till he well, doesn't want he, to anymore. Yeah, Didn't didn't you say, Emily, like you said this a couple programs ago, where you still believe Faker's the better player? Yes. Yes. Oh, right. Right. So that solves yeah. the that solves that. Debate, and that, right? that's not like slamming on closer. It's just that he's a rookie. He doesn't have the sure. experience that Faker does. He doesn't I have the the game knowledge and intelligence that Faker does. I think fake. I obviously Faker is a better player from a skill perspective. I just think, like I made this point previously, like that, so as much as he's played consistently for a long time without break, like that wears on people, right? And like sometimes I do think he just needs to sit sit for a little bit and just you know set a series out. Obviously not right now, um, because all the stakes are on the line this evening. But I think generally, like it's good for his health if he like sits out a little bit. And I think that's what we saw earlier in the season when when closer was playing, right? Like. Um, but Baker is the better player, and and I mean he is a perfectionist uh, in the literal sense of the word. So yeah, he'll play tonight, I, and I think uh, you know like and he'll be I think he'll be incredibly difficult on himself if they lose and don't make worlds, um, because that's the type of person he is. Um, and but for me, like if they don't win and T1 fails to qualify for worlds, well they got to figure out, in my opinion, is jungle. I don't think Kuz and, and Elam are bad players, um, but, like, they just haven't had, since Blank and Bengi, uh, they've not had players that seem to gel well in the jungle role. Like, Clit is a great, is a fantastic player, but he was not a T1 player in, in, in the sense of the way they like to play the game. And that was my issue with, with him on that team last year. Like, they've got to figure out what they're going to do with jungle this offseason. And it is the glaring omission of, of their part of their team. Um... Because they stylistically, they just haven't had it figured out in what seems like a long time. Like people may remember uh, Bengi and Blank fondly, but that was actually a long time ago that they had those guys on that team. So, Jacob, yeah. guess who just got <laughs> military service? 
Bengi. <laughs> or, or you can just, or you just can go just pay Tarzan. No, I'm not. I don't like, think Bengi is coming back, guys. Just, just, but just, he just, did just, actually just get out of the military. Service. Just go, just That's go pay Tar, just go pay Tarzan. Hey, like didn't that happen to Forgiven? He went for military service, then he ended up on an LED. How, how did that end? How did that end up? I'm, I'm not saying how it ended up. I'm saying that he did end up on an LEC team this he year. He did. He came for back. For a little bit. For a cup of coffee. For, a cup of, for one of these. So we have plenty of time to discuss uh, all the fallout um, uh, on future programming. But uh, let's just uh, turn our attention to something a little bit more serious. Emily wrote a story on ESPN.com slash esports. Uh, Damwon's Naguri is going to uh, get surgery for a collapsed lung. Uh, which means oh that he will be traveling to Shanghai uh, later than expected. Um, this is part of Emily's article. Naguri was scheduled to leave South Korea to head to China for Worlds on Friday, but will now fly to Shanghai on September 18th. Naguri is expected to make a full recovery, according to a statement from Damwon, scheduled to be released from hospital on September 13th. Uh, so first of all, quick recovery to Naguri. Hopefully everything goes well. Everything goes according to plan and he's able to join the team at Worlds. Assuming that does happen, Emily. Oh, no, I was going to say he has had the surgery and it was successful. Like he's okay, re already right. recovering. He's he's like, I'm so, not going to go like he's fine. But like he, they, it was successful. He seems to be recovering really well. I know that they will make sure that he's OK and stuff like that. So um, they did say that in their statement. God, what a what a terrifying time to have a collapsed lung. By the way, you're about to travel internationally Jesus, in the middle of a pandemic yeah. pandemic that whose effects has a severe impact on your lungs. Like, yeah, you, being immunocompromised right now does not yeah. sound like a, sound like a good time. So, yeah, Jesus. Well, and that must have been scary for him reporting the symptoms, right? Like the day <laughs> after you win the finals in like a really convincing fashion, you're like oh, my chest hurts and I have shortness of breath, which is one of the symptoms, I mean, of COVID, right? So, yeah, that I mean, it must have been really scary and we wish all the best to Noguri and hope he recovers quickly. Glad to, glad to hear the surgery went well and hopefully he's able to join his team with a full recovery so that that team can be at full strength while competing at Worlds. Uh, now let's shift our attention to the LEC. Uh, G2 winning yet another split and the conversation that I would love for the three of you to have actually uh, plays in perfectly to a comment in chat that will really uh, start things off here. And this is actually in response to our top 20 players conversation uh, that we will have on Friday. This is what It's Leo says in chat. Uh, let me get through the whole thing before we discuss. I think there is an argument for Caps being the best player coming into this Worlds. At the very least, in terms of accomplishments in the last two years, he did way more than players like Showmaker and Knight. He literally made back-to-back -back Worlds finals and won MSI as MVP, Pog. So this is a conversation that is happening right now as it pertains to Caps. It started as, is he the best mid laner in the world or in, uh, in that conversation, or in the West, I should say, sorry. And then it started as, is he the best player in the West, period? And then it became, is he the best player from the West of all time in League mm -hmm. of Legends? Where do we land on that conversation? The answer I mean, is yes. I think he's the best player yeah. in the West right now. No, he's the best, he's the best Western player of all time. Uh, there's, I, there's no argument Why? there. Look at, I mean, I posted it on Twitter. Look at his last six years. Let's, uh, he's been in six L LEC seasons the last three years. Uh, he's won every single one of them. Uh, he's been to two MSIs, he's won one, got third, fourth, and the other. And he's been to two Worlds, and he's been silver medalist twice. He's the only Western player to ever go back-to-back -back Western Finals. Different teams, by the way. On two different teams. 
Uh, Rival teams. He he yep. is he's the greatest Western player of all time. Uh, the only argument against him is perks, and I think you need to have a very nuanced argument on uh, perks is uh, his selflessness, uh, him being a captain, and how the intangibles might uh, sway that argument over to perks, where he is you know he gave his his natural role to uh, you know satisfy caps and. We've seen that Perks is a better AD carry than Caps. You can say maybe that Perks is a better all-around player. He brings a leadership role that Caps doesn't. But in just terms of a game-breaking type of player, a player, and I remember this, and I remember back in 2015, 2014, 2016, and people thought this was Bjergsen. They thought maybe he could be that player because we've seen Faker and we've seen you know, Dade, and we've seen these game-breaking players. And I, I remember we've always, in the West, it was always like, when are we going to find that kind of player? When are we going to have our faker? When are we going to have our dotted? When are we going to have a player who can 1v9, who can change an entire script in a millisecond? Like, where are these, like, this this prodigy-type player that not is not only great at in the West, not only a great Western player, but a great international world-class superstar? And I think Caps has shown the last two years, the last three years, really, that he is that type of player, that he is not only a superstar Western player, but he's a superstar no matter where he is. He is a player that's talents are as just as good as, he's mechanically as good as any other player in the world, and he's improved, and he's matured as a player. Like, it, it's insane of how much he's not only improved as a player, but as a person the last few years. And seeing his growth and interviewing the guy and seeing him just grow from tournament to tournament, there's no question, and, and this guy grinds this game like almost no other. Like, as someone who's interviewed Caps and Faker throughout the years, like they they do share a lot of similarities. And when you ask both of them, like, what do you like to do outside of League of Legends? Like, do you go to you know the movies or like what do you do fun? It's like their fun time is playing more League of Legends. Their fun is finding new ways to master the game. Like it's fun for them when they can sit down and play a game of League of Legends. They feel like they got something new to their arsenal. Where these guys aren't just playing the game; they're masters of the game. And like this game isn't only their profession, but it's their life as a whole. And everything else, a lot of times, is just white noise. And for me, Caps is the greatest Western player of all time. We can put on nostalgia glasses and try to act like the players of old and, you know, season one tournaments matter, but Caps is the greatest Western player of all time. Perks is number two. Uh, they're, the sky's the limit. Like, it's it's scary. Like, before law, we're going to have to say Wonder and Yankos are three and four. Like, there, there is a world where in the next few years where all five G2 players, we just say, yeah, one to five. These are the greatest Western players of all time. They're, they're that damn good. So two things that I want to bring up in this discussion are the first is just general criteria for top 20. So mine is top 20 going into Worlds 2020 from this regular season, which is why I don't necessarily count uh, Caps' previous performances to someone else might. But I'm just saying, as individual criteria, we're probably all going to be bringing our own criteria to the table. So that's something that to keep in mind. Um, the second thing is that I think there are three players, actually, that can be considered for this. It's Caps, it's Perks, as you mentioned. And it's also, I feel like you have to mention Reckless here. Um, he has been, and like this isn't like a lull uh, early tournaments thing. He was in, in my opinion, still, uh, like, definitely the best tournament of its time. One of the best tournaments of all time, given storylines and just how many, like, really basic League of Legends concepts we saw uh, growing during this tournament. 
um, in IPL5, which happened after the Season 2 World Championship. Um, and he was too young to play in the LCS, initially, the EU LCS. Um, and that's how long Reckless has been around, and he has been consistently at the top. And I know, like, people have very... Like, Reckless is a very polarizing person. Um, there's this... Reckless is, like, way overhyped, and then, then there's this backlash where Reckless is the best player in the world, and it doesn't seem like people... Uh, it seems like people kind of vacillate wildly between those two things. Um, but I do think if you're going to have a conversation about best Western player of all time, then Reckless should certainly be in that conversation. That being said, my personal pick, and this is, again, going off of, like, intangibles uh, in addition to uh, performance. So while I, I would say that Caps is a more, like, uh, probably mechanically skilled player at this point, um, my vote would actually be for Perks. I think he is G2, and he has been G2 since he like came onto this organization. Um, it's not just selflessness, but a really fundamental understanding of the game and how to play the game that has allowed him to make that role swap so successful. Um, and there are very few players that would be able to do that with the greatest amount of success that Perks has had. And additionally have been able to go contend for a world's title. Like, yes, people um, tend to write off G2's entire season just based on their world's performance last year, which I think is really unfair. It's kind of similar to how I was mad that people were writing off RNG's 2018 because they lost at Worlds. I don't think people should discredit how good G2 were for the majority of last year. They were the team of 2019. Um, and I say this as an LPL fan too, so you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that like perks, it's it's really tough between perks and caps. Um, I think Reckless should also be in that conversation. And I think it really comes down to your criteria and how much you do value a lot of intangibles. Um, because, like, for example, when we saw per, uh, Cap's role swap, right, um, we saw him understand, like, there would be times where you would see him, like, setting the wave exactly correctly, right? Like, you could tell he understood exactly how he, like, should play and the execution just wasn't as high level and his... Uh, overall understanding of the map wasn't as high level as as perks was in my opinion and that's what makes perks such a successful like swap he was just a lot more comfortable in that position from the get-go but you can see that cap still has like a really good fundamental understanding of like how league of legends should be played so it's an interesting conversation i think you have to look at a lot of minutiae when they play on the map and you can compare their mid lane and their bot lane so that's kind of fun so I think Perks is the best Western player of all time. I think Caps is the best Western player in the world right now. Between between the uh, between NA and EU, he is the best player uh, uh, combined in those regions. Caps has had a banner summer. Obviously, he won the MVP, and I'm not just saying it because of that. Because I think to Emily's point, he looked really messy in the spring, right? Like the it was clear that he was a much better midliner than he is in AD carry. And he wasn't even just a much better midliner. He was a dominant midliner. What a, like, banner season for him, MVP or not, right? Like, if, if somebody else would have won won that award in a different position, like, Caps is still the best midliner in all of Europe. And and I think that, uh, to Tyler's point, like, that success the past few years has really sort of, like, it keeps continuing to compound. Perks has done it for longer, though. Um, and much like Reckless, actually, Perks could have been in the league sooner if not for Atrials. 
Um, Perks was, was hindered by that too, right? Like Perks' first season in the EU LCS was the first season he was old enough to play. Um, and and I, I knew Perks back then. And I would say he probably wasn't mature enough as an individual to play in the ULCS at a high level until the season he actually came into it. Um, but still, I like I think that Caps is a better player right now. But I think that historically, if you look at the entire thing, it is Perks. You want to bring up one? You say that though. One thing. Uh, go ahead, Emily. Sorry. Oh no, I just want to bring up one thing super quickly because if you're going to say that about Reckless and you're going to say that about Perks, it's also worth mentioning. Caps could have gone to Worlds with Xerxy in 2000 and uh, what 15 or 16? 16. He was too. Yeah, he was too young, and they were both playing on um, a Turkish team that Our actually passage, didn't. Yeah, yeah, didn't make it through the wildcard qualifier because. Per, uh, because uh, Caps and Xerxes could not play because they would not have been able to qualify for the World Championship. So if you're going to count that for Reckless and Perks, I just want to bring up, you also have to count it for Caps because he was very well known. Like People were like, this kid is going to be insane. Yep. And he was already Baby playing Baker. and super yeah. successful in Turkey. My, my last point on this would be, I do agree that like G2 is Perks, and I do agree that Reckless is Fnatic. My my argument of why I think Caps is the greatest of all time is I think if you take Perks and you throw him on Rogue, if you throw him on a different org, he's going to struggle. I think the infrastructure and the belief that Carlos and him ha has in him and enables Perks to be that leader really sets him up for, for success. And I'm not taking anything away from Perks. I think he is one of the greatest Western players of all time. He's number two in my book, right behind Caps. Very, very close. And I think exactly the same with Reckless, where Fnatic enables him, right? We saw how he did on, you know, Elements, the, you know, that one split where he, you know, said, peace out to Fnatic, I can do this on my own. He couldn't do it on his own. Fnatic helps Reckless be as great as he can be, and Reckless in turn makes Fnatic as great as it can be. Where I think you take Cap, you throw him on any European team, any Western team, maybe even any team in the world, I think he is a game changer. I don't think that is... I do think G2 obviously, I mean, when you have players at top level in almost every single row, it's going to make you, up, it's going to make things easier. But I do believe that where Perks is more flexible in terms of just playing different positions, and I think Reckless has the longevity factor to his name, I think Caps is a player where you can pluck him and put him on any org, and I think he excels just as well. I mean, Caps going to G2 is the biggest, is the biggest roster change in Western mm -hmm. history ever. Um, because of the, the impact that it had. They took him from a team that literally went to the finals of the World Championship the year before and stuck him on a team with, with his rival for best mid laner in, in Europe, right? Like, that, that the impacts that has had on the, the LEC for the past two years are uh, cannot be understated. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think that's, that's important. Like, Caps was a dominant force on Fnatic back then, and that, that meant a lot. But yeah, I still I still think Perks historically is... is uh, it, he's just done it longer. Like he's done it longer. Uh, he's we've, been more successful for a longer amount of time. We've also seen perks with other lineups when he was a mid laner. Uh, I mean, like yes, it was on G two, but yeah, like, he played with Yarnin and Wadid yeah, and Emperor yeah, and, like, and, 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 and freaking the semifinals. He played so with. Just, I th I think he'd be fine if no, you, like, he'd be like, fine. I think he'd, he'd be fine, fine if you plugged him on another so, team. Of course, of course. I, I just want to sprinkle in just some insight on many of the things uh, all of you mentioned. So it, in regards to perks and the identity of G2, I think it was... Who said that? Actually, I think all three of you have said a variation of that. 
the last time I spoke with Carlos, uh, in a, it was a great interview. And one of the things he said was, I can see Perks being a lifer here. What, what he meant mm -hmm. by that was he could retire as a player with G2, become an executive of G2, and eventually become a part owner of G2. This is how far in advance. Yeah. yeah, this is how far in advance Carlos has thought about this and wants this for Perks. So that's definitely in he his said, plans he said that anyway. Perks, he said that Perks spent the entire Christmas holiday at his house with him and his wife and his and yeah. his child. Like the you know, Perks is a part of. He is the identity of G two. He was on the team that qualified into the the ELCS in the first place when they weren't even a part of the league, right? Like yeah. back when relegation was a thing. So he's been there for a while. And but I mean, you do have to give him credit for carrying people like Emperor and Hybrid to uh, to a finals win, and also Yarnin and Wadid. Uh, no hate to any of those people, but those are not as good as as uh, as he's gotten right now. Even like transitioning himself, he's a better AD carry than any AD carry he's ever played with. And also, Mickey X is the best support that G2 has ever had on on their lineup. So yeah, uh, it's I mean, he's played with some pretty bad players at, on, on the world stage and has done a good job for them. So T I, T I won't give him some credit. TSM World Champs 2019 says this about this conversation oh, in Christ. chat. What a uh, name. I'll take, I'll take it. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you can change it to TSM World Champs 2020. Off. Just change the username. You'll be fine. You're not verified. It's okay. I'll take Perks over Caps, though. Caps is a mechanical beast, yes. But Perks has the bigger bigger package and lasted longer. So, like, the bigger thing to, to offer to G2 uh, and, and has lasted longer, uh, obviously, with the longevity uh, of him on the team. So. I'll say I don't think this is like even though I'm obviously like going to bat for perks and I think it's perks like I don't I don't think there's like a wrong answer no. here like if someone believes it's caps I'm it's, not gonna be like you're crazy you're stupid you know what I mean like that's what makes this discussion so interesting so I think it reveals what people value a lot about it's Kobe Shaq somebody said horse or horses pawn 42 in chat said perks is curry caps is Durant on the Golden State Warriors <laughs> which is actually Wait. not a terrible comparison no yeah yeah perks, yeah Perks has been there for a while and taking them very far. And then, like, adding caps was just, like, the extra sauce on top of, like, okay, now we're definitely the best team in the league. Like, yeah. by, by a wide margin, right? Like, hell Caps is, yeah, Caps is <laughs> technically better than Perks. But I think the soul of the team and the and sometimes the X factor of the team, kind of the reason why I think G2 was so feared last year, even when Caps was having some of his craps games, is that Perks was always on point, especially you know with yep. Zion. And there was the reason why the Chinese audience called started calling him Poozy. It wasn't because of a meme. It's because they were saying Perks is this like ultra high level AD carry that has has warranted the fact that he should be compared to you know China's favorite son and Uzi. So you can't lose on this argument. Like it, I mean, reckless Perks Caps. Like the the most fun thing is like we're not done rewriting the story right like if reckless somehow wins worlds this year he he's the greatest right like you can't like i think who if reckless can win worlds first i think he takes the the, the title right like i think everyone's waiting to see which western player can lift the summer's cup for the first time yeah I mean, that's the big mm -hmm. question about g2 also is like can they do as well as they did last year this year's way yeah. been way more shaky for them than last year yeah. was leading up to the world championship and, and obviously like Perks' father passing away, like, mm -hmm. it sort of hit them like the freaking, you know, bag of bricks in the middle of the summer. And then, like, they were super inconsistent. They lost that Fnatic playoff series, the first one, not the second one. Um, this has been a much more difficult year for, for them. I think they're better because of it, because adversity always makes everyone better. And these players are good about 
sort of coming together and not tilting off the face of the moon. Um, but like generally, uh, this is not like the G2 of 2019 where they ran everyone over and then they got the world championship and just couldn't make it work at the very end. Yeah, you know, like, this is a very you, different team. Here's my transition question to all of you. Let's say hypothetical. I know this is a lull statement and chat. You can feel free to throw it in chat here. Let's say TSM make it very far in worlds i'll go so far as to say let's let's say they make it to finals mm -hmm. and bjergsen's a big part of that where does he land in this conversation top five yeah he's top five if he wins if he wins worlds it's a conversation and i'll say that right now <laughs> it's a conversation <laughs> if if he wins world and I, i'm not saying this but... is like i'm not even saying in a world like i'm not but if bjergsen and tsf win worlds this year He's in the conversation, and there's a there's a big argument that he is the greatest Western player of all time. I know we're laughing. I'm so sorry. I know we're laughing, but in that I can't world, I'm just looking at Emily, and I'm just I have to laugh too. I get the giggles like, now. No, but much like Perks, though, like he is like Bjergsen has put some really garbage yeah. on. He's put some garbage on his back and yeah. like really yeah. performed. Yeah. Like, let's not remember that that Bjergsen used to play with Glebe Glarbu, and actually, like, Whoa. that TS team was not bad. The only reason they made a roster change is because they couldn't beat C9, right? Like, come on. Like, Bjergsen's put it's... some really, like, dudes. That's dude, a name I've not heard. <laughs> like, come on. Dude, dude has worked at a, at a dump and, like, put those big bags of trash on the, his the back and made it work. <laughs> the thing about West, the the thing about North American players is, is that they need the world champ. Like they need a high placing world championship finish to really strengthen their domestic legacy. So right now, for Bjergsen, he has what seven league titles, uh, four MVPs, almost won his fifth this year. He still is lacking any sort of success at Worlds. His greatest success at Worlds is taking a game off Samsung White at 2014 Worlds. Which you could argue Samsung they White trolled the living hell yeah, out of him. They did. They, they, only, they, played all, they played all Melee. It was a troll. They played all Melee and they, ran level, and, they, and they ran in level one mm -hmm. like a bag of bozos, man. Yeah. Like those yeah. guys. Yeah. Let's like, <laughs> like idiots. For Bjergsen, it's a thing of his domestic, like his domestic legacy is certain. He's... He's him and Doublelift, just like Perks and just like Perks and Caps are number one and two, however you want to argue it, as the greatest North American players of all time for the LCS. But for him to strengthen that legacy, to actually be in the conversation of Caps or Perks, he's gonna have to win or go very close to winning something at a, a Worlds or MSI. Also, before we we change something, let's I, I don't want to you know overlook Jensen. Where Jensen might lack some of the domestic success, doesn't have an MVP award, but he has made a you know a top four at 2018 with Cloud9 at Worlds, and he made a Worlds uh, at MSA final last year. I think the thing holding Jensen back is that in both of those cases, uh, MSI final got smashed by G2, which just pushes him down the the Western legacy ranking, and same thing with Cloud9 in 2018. Another Western team, another Caps play, and Caps just pushes them down. So I think Jensen and Bjergsen are both way outside the conversation, but it just takes one tournament, guys. Just think of a world where TSM, TSM versus Team Liquid World Finals 2020. What a bubble world that would be. What a... Uh, yeah. Jacob is losing his mind right now. At the I mean, like, this. it's I a possibility. I just, I just imagine that, like, if that happens, <laughs> that, like, Faker sits somewhere, even if he doesn't make it, sits somewhere in Korea, just like. What have I done by not being there? Like, uh, like <laughs> hey man, hand, hand in, you know, face Bjergsen, in palms. <laughs> Bjergsen might have eliminated in the quarterfinals. Who knows? But uh, for for Bjergsen and Jensen, this is again. I think 
more so than even you know caps and perks this is a big tournament for them i think especially bjergsen yeah. i interviewed bjergsen uh, so have you arda and i asked him like how does it feel to be back at worlds how would it feel to be back at worlds after so many years and he told me straight out making worlds is not an accomplishment doing damage <laughs> at worlds going far yeah. at worlds that's an accomplishment i could be proud times. of times like the, the dude's been there multiple times yeah. and and like tsm just always struggles to deliver when it matters most right like the furthest they've made it is quarters like i think i think people are happy that they're back because they've been gone for long enough now right but like uh so you know pat on the back there or whatever um but yeah, I mean, like the the conversation we've had in A teams that did fairly well at the World Championship, uh, not that long ago, the Cloud Nine team that made that made top four, right? Like, and and they weren't even the best team in NA at that point. That was still a Liquid team as the best team. They in came NA. from play-ins. Exactly. You make my point. So you know, like the, the making it there is not as much of an accomplishment as actually making it a little bit further. So, but yeah, I mean, I think. Gearson definitely deserves his due, um, and he's definitely had a, also a very good summer uh, for himself. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I just think that, like, uh, until he really has something else besides an IEM title, uh, I'm, I'm not including him in this conversation. An IEM world title, by the way. I just want to put huh. the world in the yes. IEM title. I guess yes. a 12th place w World w champions. A 12th Don't take place it away from me. A 12th place WE. And a Koo Tigers, or whatever they were Ooh. called at the time, who couldn't sleep G. at all in Germany. GE uh, Tigers at the time that couldn't sleep at all, that felt like garbage, and trolled the tournament because they felt like garbage. Yes, let, let me tell you more about that title. Let me tell you more about Gleeb Glarbu. He played on TSM from May until October 2014 Gleeb, for those Gleeb makes Gleeb makes my uh, my the most outlandish uh, political social media post I've ever seen nowadays. So you know, I still I still follow Gleeb from time he, to time. But he also he's played out there. on Evil Geniuses, and he ended his career on Ember. Anyway, back to TSM. Listen, we just had a very positive, I guess you can call it mostly anyway, about TSM conversation. Uh, but we weren't always so positive about TSM on this FAIR program. And so sometimes we have to check ourselves and we have to call ourselves out. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. Roll the tape. T-S-M. <sighs> Jacob, tell me something. Tell me, tell me about TSM right now. How do they lose to Immortals this week? What is going on with this team? What are the challenges that you are noticing here? Seems bad. Like I, I, like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know what more to say, right? Like, wow. I, I don't think they're bad. I don't they're, they're, they're not amazing, but I don't think they're bad. I, like, the stats that we have on screen right now, like, obviously point to everyone except Bjergsen and Doublelift because they're the carries. But, like, I think this team collectively should take some blame here. And I've been very unimpressed uh, by this team. I, I thought this team would be a lot better. I thought they would make the world championship. I'm having some serious doubts here midway through the split. But I mean, since then, Jacob, you've been pretty complimentary, at least on this program. Hey, I want—I'm not going to take back what I said because after that, after those losses, they were—they did look like a bad team, and they were a bad team. What has changed since then, and what has changed since now, is that Broken Blade and Spica have definitely leveled up, and I want to give a lot of love to the both of them. They looked very good in this final, and other than the like the miss smite or the smite steal against Golden Guardians. Uh, earlier where uh, Closer stole from, from Spica in the first Golden Guardian series, 
um, that TSM lost in this playoff. Spika has actually looked really good. Um, he's reached a level that I thought was possible, but I was worried that may not be achievable because this team, it just comes with so much pressure for someone like that. And junglers historically have had an issue on TSM um, in terms of being able to give time to grow, but they've given it to him. I actually do want to point to something on that regard. Uh, I talked to Sven all, not that all that long ago for something I was working on about C9, and I was talking to him about the expectations that he had for TSM last year. And something that he said to me that he wished TSM 2019 would have done differently was during the summer would have stuck with one jungler. If you remember, they were constantly back between Greg, Akkadi, and then eventually Spika, right? But the thing is with, with TSM is like, it is a difficult team to play on uh, from a pressure perspective. They have more fans than any other in North America, and that is really difficult if you are a young player. I think by sticking with Spika, even in moments where he did not look good this season uh, after they got rid of Dardock, I think that he's been able to grow significantly. Broken Blade had a fantastic playoff also. I think that these two guys may not get as much love because they're not a name like Bjergsen or Doublelift, but I think that they deserve it. And even though, like, Doublelift looked much better at the beginning of this this split than he did in playoffs, he looked fine in the final. But, like, when they played GGs, like, he looked outclassed by FBI significantly. Like, where you could argue that FBI is the best AD carry in all of North America, potentially, right? Like, in terms of, like, how much do you want to argue that against Finn? But still, uh, for me, I, I think that Doublelift is now the in the conversation of the liability of this team, whereas I was very impressed by Spika and Bergen Blade's performance over the past couple of weeks, and I think that they deserve a lot of love. So I don't take back what I said. They did they did look uh, they did look really bad back then. I think that those two guys have grown in particular, and I think that Bjergsen is continue to be Bjergsen. He's the best midliner in North America, um, and and so that all of those things coming together, uh, that is why they are are uh, in a LCS champion. Unlike Jacob here, my, my friend and fellow colleague, I will take back what I said. I will apologize for what I said. I, about a month or so ago, I made fun of Spika. He was having a rough patch. I said he's playing like someone who doesn't realize that his keyboard's not connected to his computer. I thought he looked out of water. He was being dominated by most of the junglers in the league. He didn't look like he was comfortable. And I'm here to say I'm a clown. I was wrong. I was... Dead, dead, dead wrong about Spika, and I apologize for my wrong take. Because sometimes you just have to stand up and say you was wrong. And I'm not saying Spika is going to be a world beater. I'm not saying he's going to go to Worlds and he's going to, you know, take down Kanavi and Canyon and raise the Summoner's Cup on, you know, October 31st in Shanghai. But he's a damn good player. And every single time he's been pushed against the wall, when clowns like me have said, you know, he's just another ward in the long line of failed prospects of the TSM jungle, he has stepped up. Be it with the River Shen, be it with, you know, the Jarvan, doesn't really matter. Every time that TSM need him in the playoffs, especially after losing the Golden Guardians in the first round, he saved their tails a lot of times. Bjergsen obviously is the MVP of the team. They're not there without Bjergsen. But honestly, they're not champions. They're probably not going to Worlds without Spika either. So uh, I also want to give a shout-out to someone. I remember I was at Scouting Rounds. I believe Emily was there too. Scouting Rounds 2017 when Spika, Blabber, Vulcan, Kumo, the most stacked Scouting Grounds class we've ever had. And I remember when they were first doing the initial drafts where teams of like Team Infernal and Team Ocean and Team Mountain were, were drafting their players, TSM and Parth were on Team Infernal. 
And I remember how confident and how much how much they wanted Spika. He was their number one draft pick, and Parth wanted to play with Spika. He thought a lot about him. And I think it's something that we've kind of overlooked through all this is that Parth is back leading the team after kind of being exiled. The TSM fans turned on him. They said, oh, he doesn't know how to draft. He only gets us to Worlds, but he doesn't get us out of groups. And then for the last two years, TSM hasn't even made it to Worlds. So... Well, I've never really, I've never dogged on Parth. I think Parth's always been a, one of the better coaches from what I know. I can't really say anything just because I'm not in the rooms, but from everything I've heard, he's a, a very smart guy. I've talked to him a bunch of times. I'm just from, from I think Perf deserves a lot of credit, but for Spika, from my point of view, from, from what I've said, I apologize because I was dead wrong. He's an incredible talent and he has a lot of potential. I don't know where that potential is going to take him. I don't know if he can reach the highest highs of, you know, a world-class player. But when I've sat here for the last nine months saying Blabber, you know, is the a generational player and he's the chance to be the most mechanically skilled, you know, NA jungler of all time, I have to sit here and say that Blabber, you know, Spika might have the same ceiling because from what we've seen in the last few weeks, he's a very special talent. He's the youngest player in the LCS. So... While TSM might not go super far at Worlds, I think this next month or so of Spika getting to play against the best players in the world is going to rapidly improve his uh, standing as a player. And I think we're going to see a, a lot better of Spika going forward after this experience. So I apologize, Spika. You're a rock star. Speaking, I think the big thing to remember is that he was drafted by Echo Fox. Um, but I, I watched him because I followed that uh, that TSM yeah. team. Um and there was a conversation he actually ended up having with Mike Young, who was on TSM at the time, and who did a lot of the, like, he really enjoyed uh, coaching the Scouting Grounds players. Um, they picked Spika because he no one knew about him. Like, they were just like, oh, here's this, like, 16-year-old kid who's performing really well on the ladder. Like, uh, and, and I remember Parth saying, like, we want to see, like, how well he'll respond to any sort of coaching, right? Because he is someone like that. Uh, can be incredibly malleable because they haven't had any sort of coaching experience and they arguably haven't even had a ton of ladder experience, right? Like where you have these other guys who've been on the ladder for forever and they're all friends. Like Spika was not that. He was completely, no one really knew about him. Um, and when he performed really well, he was drafted by Echo Fox. But the thing I will agree with is that I think TSM always had their eye on him, especially because Spika was underage and decided, I really want to go back to school. Like, there's an interview I did with him at the beginning of the year uh, where he goes through all this. Um, and he talked to Mike Young about it at that scouting grounds. It was like, I I think, you know, Mike Young was like, it'll be here, you know, if you're good enough, it'll be here and you should go to school uh, and, and finish high school. And he did. Um, and I think, so A, I think TSM, like, I don't think they bookmarked him, but I think they always kind of had an eye on him, right? Uh, even before he came onto the team officially. And then the other thing about Spika is that I think a lot of, I'm not going to say that, because um, I had a lot of criticism for him mid-summer uh, as well. Um, I think the big thing about him is two things. One, something that Jacob brought up and something you could see in their drafting all year is that they are, were willing to draft Spika some picks that you might not want to put him on a cane, right? Like that's a very risky pick. But what it tells me is that 
we trust this player to be able to play this. And that says a lot to a young player, right? It says that your team is behind you. Like, we don't want you to be like this rookie looking up to your older brothers and feel like you're afraid to talk to us, feel like you're afraid to speak up and draft about what you want. That's not what we want. And Bjergsen told me this directly. Like, that's not what they wanted from Spika. They don't want him to be afraid to talk to Bjergsen or double if, or someone with who has like a legacy. They want him to be part of the team. Um, and I think that reflects in some of the picks that they've drafted him. But I also think one thing that struck Spika, because I'm not going to necessarily say he didn't make mistakes because he made a ton of mistakes, right? He is a rookie jungler for TSM, which is, you know, its own can of worms. Um, but I think one thing that happens with a lot of Spika's mistakes is a lot of them were visually easy, right? Like, so he made he made two types of mistakes that junglers typically make. Some of them are just in like pathing and decision making, which aren't going to be as obvious. But the the miss smites, the really like if the pathing's like super egregious, they'll point it out um, on cast or. Um, some of his like just missed execution and team fights, like anything like that. Like I was comparing it in voice chat the other day to a friend uh, to who he and why people kind of tended to undervalue who he when he was a mid is because he made a lot of very visually obvious mistakes. And then the things he was really good at, um, like knowledge of side lanes and, and split pushing and stuff like that, um, weren't as visually obvious. Right. So uh, it's really easy to see where Speaker messed up. Um, in a lot of ways. And I think that kind of contributed to a lot of the fan backlash against him, um, which is unfortunate. I'm not saying that he didn't make those mistakes, obviously, but it's unfortunate that that created kind of a, uh, this weird like backlash of the community, you know, blaming him and being like, this is why TSM is doing really badly. Um, I think it speaks to how much this team trusted Spika that they were like, no, we're sticking with him. We're not making changes. Um, this is our guy. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're drafting and their, uh, like execution has shown that. And so I'm glad that the team stood behind him, uh, and allowed him to grow as a player. And I just want to make one quick point about Broken Blade too. Uh, this team, one thing that has been really obvious is that the bot lane has struggled and sometimes to really pick up the, the mantle, right? Like this is team solo mid and, and sometimes they do just win but because Bjergsen's just insane and very, very good at his job. But Broken Blade actually throughout playoff and throughout certain parts of the year has been able to give them a carry champion that they can play around, things like Kamel, et cetera, that do a massive amount of damage. Um... And I think that he deserves credit for that because in a world where bot lane, like in a world where double lift plays a ton of Ash and Senna, um, which are effective for what they are, but not, you know, they're not going to carry the entire game for you unless he's incredibly fed. Um, Broken Blade has been able to give them that other sort of carry power. Uh, and, and I think that Broken Blade uh, deserves a lot of credit as well. I, also, like FBI, I think a lot of people underrate him because he's from a minor region. Um, and I And I think that uh, given the fact that both of them have been able to come to NA and find success, you have to give love to, uh, to Broken Blade and uh, FBI both. So this is how we're going to end the show here on Rift Rewind. We're going to give you a little bit of a hypothetical mm. 2020 World Championships. We're going to set the scene and give you a completely fabricated hypothetical group stage. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to present the group stages and then my esteemed colleagues are going to debate which teams will make it out of that group stage. But I'm going to make it a little fun. I'm going to have my phone and I'm going to time you. You're only going to have three minutes to decide which two teams will make it out of each group. 
I'm going to be timing you. I'm going to keep you honest on the timing. You can all free for all discuss whether it takes five seconds or whether it takes all three minutes. You will tell me by the end of the three minutes or less which two teams will advance from these hypothetical group stages. So to set the table even further, I asked my colleagues earlier today, okay, well, that obvious question here is, what about the play-in stage? So I said, give me four teams that you want from the play-in stage for this exercise. And so the four teams have been selected and you will see them as we unveil each group stage. And just to, so that everybody is clear and everybody knows the rules, uh, it is one region uh, represented per group and one selected from each pot, uh, which is available online in terms of which teams are qualified into which pot, etc. So without further ado, I selected these. My colleagues have not seen them and now they will debate. I'm just going to pull up my stopwatch right here. Here is Group A, which consists of TSM, JD, Rogue, and either Supermassive or Unicorns of Love. That was the only one where it was left ambiguous, so I said just pick one of the two. Ready, set, go. All right, JD game is number one. Uh, let's just move on. Uh, JD is number one, Supermassive or Unicorns of Love. I'm going to say Unicorns of Love. I think Unicorns of Love are a slightly better team. Or four. However... So here, here would be my argument. Mm. I think that Rogue would be number two out of this group over TSM. Mm. And this is not because I'm a TSM hater, but I think actually if you put Unicorns of Love in this group, uh, or Supermassive, but I would I would say Unicorns of Love has a better chance. I actually think they could take some games off of the European or North American teams. Yeah, uh, maybe enough to make be a difference maker. Not enough to actually qualify out, but enough to uh, to help the odds of one of the the other North Amer the North American or European team, TSM or Rogue, uh, get out. That would be my thought. I think Rogue is stylistically better as a team than TSM. I think that TSM has a better X factor in certain players, uh, i.e. Bjergsen. Um, my biggest question for Rogue, I was writing some of our uh, LEC regional fan guide today, has been whether or not they can actually perform when it matters. I had this giant question over their head about uh, international events. Um, in a group like this, though, I think that they, are, they could win out. I would say, yeah, JD is number one. That's easy. I, I actually think Unicorns of Love could maybe sneak out of this group. I actually am a, a big... Wow. No, I Russia, think... Russia, baby. Well, well it's Russia. It's also you have to think about it. They're like the best minor region team, oh, especially yeah. now that Vietnam is not sending not here. a team yeah. to main event. Even there, though, I wouldn't say, like, like I think CIS is overlooked. Look at the last two years of CIS at Worlds. Uh, Gambit lost 3-2 to two in a narrow series that C9 probably should have lost in Korea uh, in the qualifier finals, where Gambit almost made it to the group stages. Uh, that Cloud9 team made semifinals at Worlds. Last year, uh, Splice versus Unicorns of Love, a very similar, the, the core of the Unicorns of Love team is still there. No Man's in the mid lane is still there, their star player. They were one game away from knocking out Splice from Worlds. They, they might have probably should have knocked them out of the Worlds. So, uh, again, Splice make quarterfinals. I I think I think Unicorns of Love takes a game or two off of some of these teams. Oh, my God. I think Broken Blade's X Factor. I think Broken Blade could. I, I love Finn. I think Finn's a really good player. I don't think he's in his best form right now. I think Broken Blade is in his best form. I think Broken Blade could be the X Factor over Rogue. I'm going to say TSM. I'm a North American homer. JD number one. Uh, TSM number two for me. 
30 seconds. I didn't, I didn't really get to talk that much, but what I will say is that I think this group would end up a lot like the FPX group that we saw last year, where it would end up being Rogue and JD Gaming facing each other in a tiebreaker to see who was the first seed out of this group. Because I also think that, yes, Chinese teams have a chance to drop things in a best of or a single game format. So. Final answer. On Doubters. I got I got voted off, so yeah, it's two to one. What's so. the final answer? Uh, JDG and, JDG and, and Rogue. Yeah, JDG I got outvoted. Just remember that I picked TSM <laughs> in this matter. Sorry, Rogue, I love you. Uh, I was just uh, going to say, I, I appreciate that Emily uh, corrected herself and didn't say best of one, because best of one is a stupid term, and we don't use it around here. Um, but never. yes. <laughs> never. Uh, by the way, very, uh, side note, uh, if you want to see a really cool setup for a final... Check out how Supermassive won in the TCL in the last split. Uh, the the scene, like the whole CGI that they used and the overlays and everything, really, really cool. So definitely go check that out uh, if you want to see a cool presentation. Uh, it, it was very, very well done. All right, Group B. Here is Here your out. second group. Emily, I'm going to start with you on this one. Group B consists of Top Esports, DRX, Machi Ooh. Esports, and Mad Lions. Oh man, this is right. a fun group actually just because DRX I am not high on them and They're and I know, Tyler, I know Tyler I know Tyler I know Tyler agrees with me on this uh because right now like in their current form they're basically Chovy. Um and that hasn't always been the case with this team but right now that's kind of what they've yeah. been in playoffs. Um Damn it Carrie so, at the moment I start hyping you up. <laughs> I mean I still think Carrie is a great player but yes, um Daft on the Daft is kind of a Top is a team that I will say, even when they mess up really terribly, they can beat you in a 5v5 just based on pure mechanical team fighting. So unlike JDG, where I think they'd have more of an FPX trajectory where they lose their first game and everyone's like, this team is trash. They're LGD 2015. This is going to be terrible. By the way, we have LGD 2020 this year. So look forward to that. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, TES won. The second team is really interesting, though. I would have said Mad Lions previously, but they looked really shaky in playoffs. Like, really, really another Another team another team that I have major concerns about when and, pressure is on. And DRX yeah. is another team. Didn't look super great They got Chovy, though. They got Chovy. You know what Ooh, Mad Lions doesn't have? Mad Lions don't have Chovy. Sorry, Humanoid. I like you, but you're going to get rolled by oh, Chovy. So, okay, okay. So I think this comes down, the DRX and Mad discussion comes down to the top side of the map. Uh, jungle jungle and top in particular. Um, Arome does not stand out. Uh, does not stand out to me any more than anyone else. But Shadow, I think, is so much better than Piosic. Chovy. Uh, generally. I, no, I get you. I get you. Chovy is great. He is a top five player in the world, in my opinion. I'm not disputing this. Why are the top five? He is wow. fantastic. He is fantastic. However, however, his team is not so fantastic outside no. of Kyria lately. And I actually think Kaiser is, is like, if anyone's going to give Kyria some grief, as good as he is, like, left. Kaiser is actually really good. Kaiser is really good. So, like... I don't believe in Mad because they've let me down in terms of when when like the pressure's on. This team is not good when it when like the pressure has been on for them. They're very inexperienced. But Shadow is just like miles ahead of Piosic. This is Piosic TES, is yeah. and then all all of the three teams. I actually don't think Piosic is nearly as bad as you think he is. But um, all of the other three teams just kind of battling seconds. it out. 
It might be DRX. I'll probably yeah. go with DRX. But, like, this wouldn't be a shock if... I mean, Machi probably has a pretty big no. say in who makes it out of this no. group as well. Also, Cho yes. Chovy will slap these. You guys are foolish. Chovy 15. just dragged DRX I just, over I Gen just said G. I picked DRX second. Chovy literally 1v9 Gen G. Top Esports All right. All right. All right. You've convinced me. I'm, I'm going. Four, I'm going DRX. I'm going three, DRX second. Two, I was two, like, one. I said DRX second. Why Time's am I being up. attacked? Time's up. Because you what, don't give enough respect to Chovy. I said DRX is literally true. So Top Esports yeah. and DRX, is that yeah. what we're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no, okay. no, no, no. The, an the real answer here is Top Esports and Chovy. There's no... DRX. Okay, got it. <laughs> By the way, now you know exactly how Friday's going to go. Yeah, it's just going to be Tyler repeating Chovy every Chovy, three minutes. Chovy. 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 For three hours. Uh, I get, people. get headache medication. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Can you imagine several hours of Chovy, Chovy, Chovy? Oh my god. No, okay, I can't. so uh group A, you got JD and Rogue advancing. Group B, you got TES and DRX advancing. Now, here's group C. Jacob, we're starting with you on this one. Group C consists of G2, Sooning, uh, either T1 or Gen G, and Team Liquid. How about that MSI final uh, from 2019? <clears throat> Emily, how much will you kill me if I say the Chinese team doesn't make it out of this group? Uh, I mean, I think Sooning are... I don't know how to explain what Sooning are. They're the most standard team that China is sending. I'll say that. Correct. Um, I think a lot of it is going to depend on whether the bot lane meta shifts. Uh, again, because if we go back to, like, Zaya, Kai'Sa... Um, I think that could end up being either really good or really bad for Sooning, depending. Right now, Huanfeng's been performing really well, and they've unlocked Sword Art, so he can go around the map and, and make plays. Um, that could change with bot lane meta changing. Um, I also think we saw something that my friends and I joked about in voice chat as the duality of Bin, and whether Bin is going to be able to... Because I think he's in, in, actually insanely talented, but whether he's going to be able to... Uh, have a, a slightly wider champ pool and be able to go up against other tops. So, I mean, I, I won't be like, I, I won't like yell at you for not believing in Sooning. They're in a weird uh, position where people are like either overhyping them or underhyping them, I think. I'm inclined to go G2 Korean team, whichever it will be, Genji or T1 if we were to get mm -hmm. this group. Um, but I actually think every single person in this group has a shot. I would take G, G2, G2 number one seed. But I think all, the other three have a shot to make it out at number two. Uh, this is actually a very competitive group. Tuning, Liquid, uh, and and whatever Korean team would fall into this. Yeah. I have a caveat. If if it's Gen G, I think Team Liquid screwed because Gen G just plays what Team Liquid does, but they're better. Like they just have better <laughs> players at what they do. Mm -hmm. it, it it's like, oh hey guys, who wants to do a thirty-five minute six items eighty carry battle? Team Liquid has a <laughs> tactical. Gen G has Ruler. I'm going to probably pick the team of Ruler yeah. on the team. Uh, I think T1 might make it interesting. I, I do think this team, Liquid team, might have... They have a lot... They, if I don't... Mm, they, they have a lot of potential to do well just because they have so many veterans. Like, everyone always doubts Impact. Like, old man Impact comes to every world championship and everyone's One like, minute. oh man, Impact sucks. He's old. He can't do anything. And then he just slaps, you know, Nagori around. The the big thing in this group is that you have a bunch of teams. So G two won, like they're out. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the Your rest team. of the three teams are, are are like whoever makes it from from Genji or uh, T1. I'll go Genji because I think Genji yep. are a better team. Um, they all play kind of a slow style. Like I said, Suning are the most standard team that China is sending, right? Um, so that's what makes it really interesting, and that's actually why I think this group would be really bad for TL because there are two other teams that play kind of a similar yeah. style to what they want to do, but do it better. This this would like essentially this would be like the G two hyper hyper aggro playstyle versus like three teams that yeah tell you play all 15. play the same all play the same and that is why Gen this G. group this group would simultaneously be the most competitive but also the most resonance. I'll take Genji. They, they all play late game. I'm going Genji second. Genji second. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go Genji second in this one too. Emily. I'll go Genji second, but don't sleep on Suning. Okay. I don't yeah. think they're bad guys. This is a great group draw for Gen G, by the yeah, way. Like this, this is, is like one <laughs> That's like one of the best draws Gen G could get. Don't if they repeat get... 2018. Don't get yeah. a good group draw and then somehow flub it. Please. Thank you. So group A, JD Gaming and Rogue. Group B, Top Esports and DRX. Group C, G2, and either G T1 or Gen G. Gen G. Gen G. Well, let's Gen say Gen G. And if that it's T1, now, I might go Suning, yeah. Tyler, we're going to start with you on Group D. Right. And Group D consists of Damwon Gaming, Fnatic, mm. FlyQuest, and LGD. Oof, I mean, hmm. lots of really good team fighting in this group. Uh, lots of good fun team, one. Lots of good team fighting. I, th I, let's just say Naguri is fine, right? Let's just say, you know, like this is a world where Naguri can practice normally. He can scrim normally. We're getting 100% Naguri. If we're getting 100% Naguri, even though I love Flame, and I think even if Flame does sub in, Damwon is still a very scary team. I think Damwon should be pen uh, penciled in, probably even penned in number one in this group. I just think they're just too dang good. Uh, I don't think Fnatic, FlyQuest, or LGD could touch them in terms of either laning or team fighting. I do really like FlyQuest's team fighting, and I do think that a player like Ignar throws, you know, he, he can kind of disrupt teams with his roaming style, but you also have the best, may, I, in my personal opinion, the best roaming sport in the world, Barrel, on Damwon. So it's like, just like how Team Liquid's in the group of Gen G, where it's like, everything TL does, Gen G does better. I also think it's very similar to FlyQuest and Damwon, the two green teams, where I do think, even though Damwon does play much faster than FlyQuest, I think they both really do love that 5-1-5 team fight. I just think Damwon's just better in that portion, especially when you have a player like Barrel kind of aiding them with uh, the running support. Uh, I'm going to make my say, uh, it's Damon and Fly, uh, fin mm, uh, do I trust Fnatic? Do I trust so, Fnatic? So here, let me mm. tell you about how uh, FlyQuest lost to TSM. It would be the uh, everyone go at solo play. And uh, Bwipo is not going to 1v1 crush him, but I think that Selfmade is going to gank the living hell out of yeah. him. This seconds. would be the group draw. <laughs> I think Selfmade camps top like a... Mm, Peen, like... Oh, it's, it's, a group, <laughs> it's a group of like very strong-willed junglers. I mean, Emily have, here too. You have Canyon, you have Selfmade, you have Centaur, and you have Peanut. Yeah, I think so. I think Damwon's out um, yeah. at number one. Number um, one. There, if if it's like a healthy Damwon with Noguri coming back, I think they're actually like uh, someone that people should be considering for the title. Mm. Um, but I. I, I want to talk about LGD because you guys are sleeping on on this Shea Peanut combination. And mm. uh, similarly, you can also attack top lane in LGD, by the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like if there's one thing that LGD's run taught us, it's that if they focus on like a central style that's around Shea's just absolute mm. dominion of mid, 
they, that is going to like basically shove in like against a team like Fnatic. That's going to be really tough for them to deal with, I think, because they don't rely on Nemesis for similar control in the mid lane. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting group. I hate betting on LGD though, just as a general rule. I've been burned seconds. a lot. And uh, then, yeah, I mean, I also, I also like Power of Evil is a solid mid laner, but I do think CA is marginally better. Um, and I, I don't know. I like ten seconds. I believe I, I say Fnatic. Hunter wants to say FlyQuest. Fnatic. I say Fnatic. I say Fnatic. I say Fnatic. Fnatic will find a way. I can't. I can't trust. I cannot trust Whippo and Nemesis. Time's up. Don't do this to me. I say Fnatic is my vote for second. Go to the others. So damn one and. I mean, I feel like I've been outvoted, so I'll go Fnatic. I guess. I, I think LGD has the potential to surprise people. No, what, so here, so here, LGD, what's Jacob, let's do some wood trading. Let's do some wood trading. I'll take LGD here because I don't trust. I do not trust Nemesis <laughs> and Blippo. Okay. Hey, why do you trust LGD though? You <laughs> picked LGD. But, but, right, but so... hey, my my argument against FlyQuest is that the, is that literally all like. Solo is a liability if you focus him, and there are very strong junglers in this entire group across every single team that they would play. And I think the junglers would just camp the living hell out of him because he is the weakest link. So, LGD. And, including Peanut. Including Peanut. I will choose LGD. Let's you go. You can okay. do the same thing to Longxing, just saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. LGD is our pick. Okay, so this is the uh, these are the teams that will get out of these groups that we have selected. This has been a lot of fun, by the way. So group A is JD Gaming and Rogue. LGD. L uh, JD Gaming and Rogue out of Group A. Out of Group B is uh, TES and DRX. Out of Group C is G2 and Gen G or T1. And out of Group D is Damwon and LGD Gaming. So that was our hypothetical wow. worlds discussion. What will definitely not be hypothetical is our conversation on Friday right here on Twitch at 3 p.m. Eastern. As long as it takes, we are going to determine a top 20 players going into Worlds. This is us peeling the curtain back and showing you exactly how we get to this process every single year. There's going to be debates. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be fights. People will hate each other. People will rue the day they ever worked with them. People will despise them for the rest of their lives. Based on these conversations on Friday, based on the Church of Chovy, I already see that being a storyline. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to be very spirited in our conversations. And the one thing I want to say is that you can already tell from the four of us, I'll even speak for myself here, I am not as knowledgeable as the other three esteemed panelists as it pertains to all the regions in League of Legends. But I still have a fourth of the vote, which means that I along with my other three colleagues, have to sign off on all the 20 players in our top 20. And that means that I am the best bridge, call it an ARAM, if you will, to chat. So I shall be on Friday the voice of the people. If you've ever felt unheard, you join me, us, on Friday, and I will be your champion. On Friday to, at 3 p.m. Eastern. I need to make uh, I need to message Dunk and have him have a TSM uh, TSM contingency roll up in the chat on on Friday <laughs> and lobby Arda the entire time. That is what you're telling me right now. <laughs> it's okay. Chovy will end up number one as he should be. All right. All will be right in the world. Amen.
<laughs> yes, spoken. <laughs> Emily, any last words on this? What, what are we looking forward to here? Good luck getting me to budge <laughs> on anything. It's okay. Chovy, Chovy has moved mountains before. He can move Emily around. Don't worry. God bless Chovy. I, I, I don't like your chances, Tyler. That's all I'm going to say. He beat Genji. He, he dragged DRX's carcass to world. He dethroned <laughs> Genji. His next step is defeating Emily Rand on Friday. Let's see. What we, we, we shall see. So it's going to be Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's the next time you're going to see all four of us. Please join us, won't you? In the meantime and in between time, good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. We will see you on Friday.